This episode of Get In The Game podcast is presented by the Sports Spectrum Magazine. Stories and articles on the intersection of sports and faith that you won't find anywhere else. I love this magazine, and I highly recommend you all subscribe and get your copy today. We keep our subscriptions affordable for everyone, and it makes a great gift, particularly for the kids. Subscribe today at sportspectrum.com and click the magazine icon at the top of the page. Get your subscription now at sportspectrum.com. You won't regret it. Welcome to Get in the Game Podcast with your host, Scott Langer, former MLB star and current water mission advocate. Oh yeah, and he also happens to be our dad, so let's dive right in. Welcome back to Get in the Game Podcast, and I'm excited to have a good friend of mine on this podcast here. This is Mickey Weston. Mickey, welcome. Uh, thanks, Scotty. Good to be with you. Yeah, you too. Um, you know, we've already been talking a, a good amount before we hit record here, but every time I visit with you, I'm encouraged. And you've been one of those guys that really just spoke into my life at such a, a key time. You uh, served as my chaplain when I played for the White Sox, and I know you've uh, been very active. Um, so Mickey actually serves on UPI staff. UPI is a acronym for Unlimited Potential Incorporated, but it is one of the major baseball ministries that is really focused on discipleship, uh, leading Bible studies, and also introducing guys to mission opportunities. And so, uh, Mickey, you serve as the executive director, and how long have you been in that role? Uh, I've been in that role now for going on nine years uh, as executive director. been on staff for over 25. Wow. Which, yeah, I'm getting old, Scott. <laughs> Well, and you've got a, a baseball background yourself, so you started out in pro ball, um, made it up to the big leagues with the Orioles, and I believe the Mets a little bit, right? That's uh, Blue Jays and the Phillies, just a little bit of time with each of those clubs. Okay, good deal. So let me let me just ask you that. What, what initially prompted you to go from baseball into the ministry? Um, well, really, I got involved actually after my first year in AA back in 1986. I got drafted into 82 by the Mets. And uh, in 86, after the season, I got asked to go on my first mission trip with UPI uh, to Seoul, South Korea with Harold Reynolds and Dave Valley, Tom Roy and Jose Alvarez. Um, and God just opened my mind, my heart to the world. Um, I saw how he could use just a, a little white ball to open up opportunities to proclaim who Jesus was. Um, hmm. I come to faith uh, in college, uh, my freshman year on uh, February 15th, 1980, um, and really had a burden for others to know who Christ was. And this was a great avenue uh, for me be, to be able to, to incorporate two of the things I love the most, baseball and Jesus, uh, and to incorporate uh, the two of them uh, for the Lord's glory. Mick, I love the way that you put that. Um, you God combined a couple of things that you already had a passion for. And I think, you know, as we think about identity, we think about the way God's designed us to to serve and to lead. Um, he often chooses things that that he has implanted in us or he has wired us to do already. It's not like we have to go out and invent something new about ourselves. He he takes those passions and puts them in into 
play for his purpose. Oh, absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, you know, even what you're doing uh, with water mission, I mean, that was something you had a passion uh, for um, that you developed even as you were playing. The same thing for me. There, um, there are different passions that I believe God does give each individual. They need to just see what that is and and then really explore it and jump into it and let him work through them through what they're already passionate about. Well, let me just encourage you a little bit because you were such an encouragement to me, but especially those years with the White Sox, um, you know, and it was a, a clubhouse where there weren't a whole lot of believers, but I knew going in that you were the the leader on the spiritual side and I was really excited to sit under you. And I think back to many of those um, mid-afternoon Bible studies where you would come in midweek and and uh, open up God's word and teach us and and really you know, your love for the Lord and the way that you served um, so selflessly um, was a big influence in my life. And and again, at such a critical time. So I want to thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that, buddy. And, and it just a, a great friendship developed between us. And I really see that as a Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpens iron, therefore one brother sharpens another. And, and the transformation, though, that for me as a chaplain, it's cool when you get somebody that's really um, has a has a hunger for the Lord and then a desire to reach their teammates like you. Because when you first came there, there were only a couple of guys. But I remember one of those years that you were there, we ended up having 20 guys in chapel. Hmm. I think actually the highest was 23 wow. uh, one time. And, uh, and so it really grew uh, in that time that you were there, just being engaging with the players. I think that's one of the things that you talk about even serving is that you have to be, have to be willing to engage, mm. um, uh, with other people. And, uh, and you were, and you had that attractive personality where the guys were, were, were excited to be around you. Um, you were very approachable. And, and so that really, uh, set the stage for me to come in, to be able to minister to guys. Well, it was a, a privilege to be in partnership with you in that, that task. Mick, uh, talk about a little bit about uh, some of your experiences in the field, because I mentioned, you know, a lot of what you do is based on discipleship, uh, teaching and leading Bible studies and chapels on Sunday. But uh, another part is giving guys an opportunity to go into the mission field. So um, tell us maybe about uh, an experience that you've had. You've had many of them, but um, t tell us about something memorable from the mission field. Well, oh, man. There's, there's so many different things. I've had the privilege, Liney, um, since 1986. I've been in uh, 42 different countries around the world. Wow. Uh, where I've had the opportunity to use baseball to proclaim Christ. And seeing people on six different continents um, come to faith in Christ. Uh, haven't been to Antarctica. I don't think mm -hmm. they play ball down there. But... <laughs> But there's been some some really cool experiences as we were serving. One that really sticks out um, was the trip that really led uh, the head of UPI and the founder of UPI, Tom Roy, um, that led him to asking me to come on staff. We were in Far East Russia and trying to see if we could go over there right above North Korea. We had missionaries there that both of us knew uh, that wanted us to come over and explore that. Uh, the guy had played ball for Tom at Grace College. Um, 
And so we just decided we would go over there. Um, and while we were there, um, there was a gal that was in the church that he was serving in, um, that the missionary was serving in. And she asked if Tom and I would go visit her dad that was dying in a hospital and uh, just to, to share Christ with them. And we agreed to go, went to the hospital, saw a nurse, uh, explained who we were wanting to see. And she led us down this hallway. And at the end of the hallway was this room. And we walk in there and the room's probably 10 by six, just small room. This elderly man is laying on a cot and and you got to understand in Russia that he's been hearing all his life, there is no God. Mm. And, and so I knelt down next to the cot and through the interpreter began sharing Jesus with him. But in essence, I felt really, and it didn't happen, but it felt as though I was standing back and watching Jesus share with this man. And, and this man ends up professing, uh, professing Christ. And tears of joy are coming down his face. There was almost an immediate countenance change, like a glow over his face. Um, and I remember standing up and he had a smile on his face. And I said, you know, I'll never see you again this side of eternity. But one day we'll meet again. And, and you know, we uh, embraced and then walked out. And Tom and I are high-fiving each other and just... Couldn't wait to get back to tell the gal. And all of a sudden, the nurse is running down the hallway saying, nyet, 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 nyet. no, no, no. And we're like, what did we do? What did we do wrong? And, and she says, no, 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 that's not her father. Her father is on another floor. And we go up and her father will not speak to us, will not talk to us. Uh, we don't get to share with him, but the Holy Spirit knew right where to send wow. us. Wow. How cool is that? And that just is, that's been just a stake in the ground for me of, of trusting the spirit to lead when you have the right heart to serve, that he's going to, he's going to show you where he's at work and we just get to join in with him mm. in that. But that was just a stake in the ground for me of saying, okay, Mick, I'm going to lead you um, in service to me. You know, that, that brings up a great point, Mickey. And I was just thinking as you were sharing that, um, you know, so often when we think about, you know, well, I've, I've got to serve, I've, you know, it's more of a, a task or a duty. And we think, well, what's this going to cost me? What's it going to cost me in terms of time? Or maybe it's money, maybe it's position, maybe it's, you know, persecution amongst others um, in more serious cases. But we always want to know, you know, up front, all right, if I'm, if I'm going to invest in this, you know, what's it going to take on my part? And I think, you know, anyways, sometimes I have seen that maybe it takes a little longer or it doesn't follow the path that we thought it would. And so we start to get frustrated because now it's not meeting our expectations of, Hey, I had a plan for what this was going to take and God, you're taking me on a very different path. But to your point, it becomes something so much more enriched, um, so much more valuable because we can make all the plans we want. But as we know from God's word, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. So how freeing to just be uh, willing and available for the Holy Spirit to guide and direct where we go. Oh, absolutely. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, and, and there is a cost involved. I mean, Jesus uh talked about that 
in in Luke where he's there's a cost to discipleship. It's going to cost mm-hmm. you some relationships. It's going to cost you the time, resources, uh, finances. Um, and it could cost you your life, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And it is many of our brothers and sisters around the world. Um, but it's, I think that what really helped me to look at it is I don't think of the cost. I think of the value because mm. we value something we're willing to pay whatever the price is for that. Um, and, and so when we value the gospel and what Christ has called us to, then, then we're willing to, to pay the price it, because he's got, got things that he's taken me places and show me things that I never, ever thought my life would have been able to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't thank him enough for that. Uh, and the experiences I've had, I could never have orchestrated. And so it's so much worth it when he's the one that's directing and it doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. You're going to you're going to go through difficult times. Uh, my body is not the same as it was when I, you know, 30 years ago. I just turned 62. And and uh, when I travel overseas, it's it's a little bit more difficult. But still, that's that's minuscule to to the value of seeing people have the opportunity to come to know who our savior is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really a, a better way to look at it. What do you value? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's not cost, it's value. Um, Mick, talk a little bit more. I've mentioned earlier how much I have gleaned from just sitting under you and listening to you teach the Bible, but um, I've asked you to think about a specific passage in the Bible where Jesus talks about serving and and what he teaches on that. Can you share that with us now? I actually have two. Now that you know, <laughs> we were just thinking about it, it came to mind of Isaiah. Um, when we were talking about that, of just how God does a work in our hearts, and then what is our response to it? And Isaiah 6 is such a, a beautiful picture um, of when Isaiah is confronted with the Lord, and, and he's forgiven, you know, the, the seraphim takes the, the coal and goes to him and, and cleanses his tongue. And then when the Lord says, uh, it says in verse 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah, here am I, send me. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things about that passage, and you know, I, Isaiah gets a glimpse of who God is, and it, he immediately falls on his face. Uh, he's, woe is me. You know, I'm, a, I'm an unclean man. I live in a, amongst the people unclean people. Um, but when then God calls him, notice what Isaiah doesn't say. What is it going to cost me? He doesn't say that. Where am I going to go? He doesn't say that. What am I going to need? He doesn't say that. He just says, here am I, send me. And, and uh, I remember, uh, I believe it was David Platt actually did a great teaching uh, on, on this passage. And, and one of the things that he brought out there in Isaiah was just a willingness to lay himself before the Lord to go. And, and one of the things, or a couple of things he said, he says, it's going to be harder than you think. It's going to be different than you think. 
it's going to be better than you think. Mm. That's and, good. I, and that encapsulates what I really have found through over 25, almost 30 years uh, of serving the Lord going around the world that, that, yeah, it's, it's at times been harder than I think. And it's been more different than what I thought it was going to be, but it's been better than what I could ever could have imagined. Hmm. Um, and, but the fact is, is we have to be willing to say, here am I, send me. And so that's, that's probably the, one of the first things that people have to come to grips with. So they have to make themselves available to be used to the Lord. Um, and the second thing came out of what we were talking about earlier in Luke, Luke 17, starting at verse 7, it says, Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But he will, uh, will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat, uh, then properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things uh, which were commanded him, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. And I think probably one of the greatest lessons that I learned over the years, Liney, is a lot of times I look for the approval of man. And you know, does man see me serving? Do others see me, you know, doing the, the work that I'm doing? And when I came across this passage, I was really convicted by the Spirit that I need to get my approval from God, not from man. And I need to be obedient to what He calls me to do um, and to serve well. And And once again, for the people who are listening, he's not advocating for slavery. I mean, the gospel always goes against that. They treated, uh, Paul talked about that, of treating treating slaves um, with equity uh, equally. Um, but it was just a, a part of the time of the world then. But for me, as a, as a servant of Christ, and Paul said that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, or 1 Corinthians 4, one and two it says, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of a servant that he be found trustworthy or faithful. So Paul wanted to be considered a servant of Christ. And, and that's my desire. Um, but I need to get my approval from God for the mm. things that I'm doing. I don't need for other people to see what I'm doing. In order to, to have value, um, I just need to entrust that to the Lord. Hmm. Um, and he brings the encouragement from other sources without me having to seek it. He'll bring the encouragement when we need it. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask then. You know, so what what is the what's the value transfer there? What what is the um, the motivation? What does that become if it's not, you know, personal gain or personal glory? Then what what can we expect in return? The the gain or the value of that is I'm following what Jesus did. I mean, when he washed the disciples' feet, he, he told them, pay attention. Look at what I'm doing here. 
And when I'm gone, you do it to one another. You serve one another well and be willing to do the menial job. I mean, and I saw that in one on one of my mission trips. I actually call them my Japanese family. I've been to Japan, been going to Japan since 2001. And uh, Hongodai Christ Church is a church that we've worked through there and we've helped to train them to do sports ministry and and they do it really well. But to to a person that I've met in that church and that I've had the privilege to bond with and work with, there is no job that is too menial for any one of them to do. If it has to be done, they'll do it, whatever it might be. Say, hey, we need to clean a toilet. They're going to clean a toilet and they're going to clean it really well. And they've really taught me what it meant to serve without looking for recognition. Um, and so I think God will bring different people into our lives that help to clarify what it really means to serve um, and to how to serve well and how to love well. I mean, the motivation is that love, the love for Christ and, and the desire for others to know him. Kind of reminds me of our buddy Don Christensen. He uh, coined a fr- I don't know if he coined it, but he says it all the time. So enough to where they made a T-shirt about it, and it said, "Everybody makes coffee." And he said, "In this company here, you know, there's CEOs and there's you know mailroom workers, um, but you know everybody's nobody is above a task. Everybody's going to make coffee." Absolutely, and that was that was important for me to know because uh, I, I tend to be a people pleaser. I know that about myself, and and it provided a level of humility that that I needed. That you know what, in humility, I can serve. And and uh, you know, T. Roy, Tom Roy was the one that really taught me that uh, um, that your your profession or what you do may get you an audience, but your humility will get you ministry. Mm. That's good. Um, uh, just understanding that that um, that when we minister from a from a position of humility, and I'm I'm not in John 15, Jesus doesn't call me a slave anymore. He calls me his friend, and so it's not like I have to have a mindset of that I'm a slave that's trapped. I'm a slave that's free. I'm free to serve him and and uh, to point others towards him. Mick, you mentioned you've been doing this now 25 years. Um, how do you keep from experiencing burnout? I would imagine that the ministry gets pretty taxing from time to time. And as we talk about, you know, what it takes, the cost or the value in serving, um, that's a strain on the body. It's a strain on on other things, too. But how do we keep that right perspective so that we don't burn out? Yeah, I think we have to build in s- Sabbaths into our lives. And, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, Jesus, or even in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was so important. There was more written actually in the Ten Commandments about the Sabbath than any of the other commandments. And, and the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Um, so we need to find ways where we can get rest, um, where we can pull back before we go forward. It's almost like uh, thinking about in a war, you've got men on the front lines. Well, they can be there for a while, but you need to let them pull back and get refreshed before they go back. Um, and so some of the ways uh, for my Sabbath is fishing. 
you know that you've been out our family cottage. That's one of my favorite spots to go to uh, where I can actually just get away um, and, uh, and, and relax and enjoy slaying some fish and having a little fish fry for the family. Um, uh, I give myself permission in the middle of the day if there are times where I need to just take a break and spend some time in prayer or, or take a nap. Um, but I think there it's for individuals, they need to find something that actually gives them rest. Hmm. Um, and so, uh, there is that need to be able to pull back. Uh, we can't, I don't see anywhere in scripture where it says to burn out for Jesus, um, or to lose our families for Jesus. Um, I think there's a balance that we we need to to encourage one another to to maintain yeah i like that um sorry i didn't mean to talk over you there but uh i i love what you said about just you know throughout the day and i've found great value in that too of just after a meeting you know get up and go for a walk to the end of the driveway and back you know just uh having lunch with kelly if we're together um you know little things like that throughout the day keep me from just spinning myself into the ground. So that's, that's a great suggestion. Absolutely. And Lisa and I will go for a bike ride at night, you know, once the weather is nice. Um, and it's just, it's once again, we have to find those ways that we can pull away from, um, from the pressures. Um, because you know, my phone, I could be on my phone 24 seven. I could, you could do, and I, you and I could do ministry 24 seven. Um, but we would not, we would not become very effective at it if we did it all the time. And Jesus even did that. He, we have the example from so much from scripture of Jesus pulling away to get by himself with the father. And so I, and that's, I try to do that in the mornings, every morning where I'm, I'm learning to do that even more. Um, especially when it gets busy, have to pull away even more um so that i've i've got my heart set um otherwise it can just become a job mm. um industry can can become a job yeah and i don't think god ever intended it to be that as we conclude our time here i got one more question that i want you to i'd love your thoughts on um what is the biggest roadblock to taking that initial step to serving I think some of the, uh, I'm not sure if there's a roadblock. I think there are several. I think one is people taking initiative. Um, initiative is not, um, I think it's something that's taught. Um, you have some people that are initiators, but I think it's something that can be taught. Um, I think it's something that people, um, don't know themselves well enough to know where their passions are and where they can fit in. And so, you know, one of the things I challenged some of the guys that we work with is to take a spiritual gifts test. And, and cause as you understand where your gifts that the spirit has given us a gift or gifts, um, and okay, how can, how can then ask the Lord, how can you utilize this right where I am in my, uh, um, Acts 1 8 uh, will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. How can I use my gifts in my Jerusalem, 
in my Samaria, my Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. Hmm. Uh, so it's really knowing, okay, Lord, how have you gifted me? And where, what passions have you placed within me that you desire to fill through my life? Um, one question, you got kids right around this time of year starting to think about graduation. And a question that I know that people over the years have asked, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And I think that's the wrong question for a believer. If you've got a believing kid, it's, Lord, asking for them to ask, Lord, what do you want to do with this life that you've given me? Mm. That's a better question. And even as adults, we should be asking that question, Lord, what do you want to do with the life that you've given to me? How do you want to use it for your glory? Yeah, great way to frame that. Well, Mick, thank you so much. I always appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate the way that you serve. And uh, I think it's been an incredible encouragement to those listening. Well, buddy, I love you. Love your heart. Love your family. And uh, always a joy to be with you. You bet. We'll keep it up. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Get In The Game podcast, part of the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. Check out sportspectrum.com for more content. And while you're there, consider subscribing to our Sports Spectrum magazine. It makes a great gift and is perfect for the sports fan who loves Jesus. You can subscribe today at sportspectrum.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Get in the Game.